Hey everyone, this is Stephen Farmer, and welcome to episode three of the Reality Check podcast titled See a Need, Fill a Need. Now, honestly, I was going to title this A Servant's Heart, but I just thought that was so lame. It was so bland. And the phrase See a Need, Fill a Need stood out to me right before I was actually going to click record on the podcast. I, uh, I thought of that phrase, and it comes from a movie titled Robots that came out in 2005. Obviously, the phrase didn't come from this movie, but it stands out to me because I remember that phrase being spoken multiple times in this one film. Now, the film itself wasn't the greatest. It had some big actors in it at that time. I mean, it had Ewan McGregor, who was the main character, Amanda Bynes, Robin Williams, Mel Brooks, um, Haley Berry. There was a ton of people in this one movie. And in the film, the main character, Rodney Copperbottom, he is a fixer in the film. He's a robot that comes from like the poor side of town and he would help all the other poor robots by fixing their broken parts, right? And so that's like the the main premise of the film is that he's helping them and the rich robots are upset about it. I'm not going to get any more into the film robots. If you want to see that old movie that wasn't that great, go look it up. It's easy to find robots, okay? But Rodney Copperbottom says this one line throughout the film, see a need, fill a need. And that stood out to me even at a young age. I thought that's a cool line. And it's something that us people nowadays in the church world and even outside of church, we need to understand. You see, there's so many books, so many podcasts, so many teaching segments and things on how to be an effective leader. I mean, if you go look up podcasts, more than more than likely any church podcast, it's normally about how to be an effective leader. I don't know why that's like the go-to, because the thing is, is there's more to life than just being an effective leader. And if you want to be an effective leader, you must first know how to serve. And I I saw a quote um, from Pastor Mervyn Strother. He he shared it on his Facebook. He's the pastor of Cornerstone Church of Amit. He put this on his uh, Facebook about two days ago. It says, the church doesn't need more people who think they're leaders. It needs more people who know they're servants. I thought that is so true. We don't need people who think they're leaders. We need people who know they're servants. In the church world, you have so many people that come into church and they think they can do it better. They, they have their own opinion or they sit down and they don't like the way the service looks or they don't like the way the music is and they don't like the AC, the way it's set. And, and they have their own opinion and they leave and they'll leave over the dumbest reasons they'll come up with on why they left church. And it's because they think that they can do it better. And that's why it's so hard for small churches to grow. If people would get in their heads that it's not about just all of us trying to be a leader, but knowing how to serve, the church would grow and we would reach so many more people. You see, the Bible says in John chapter 13, verse 3 through 15, Jesus demonstrates what it means to be a servant when he washed his disciples' feet. You see, I'm going to read it real quick for you. It's super short, but it says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. We're coming to the end in, in John here. Jesus is, you know, very, very close to being, you know, taken captive and he's going to be, you know, hung on the cross. He's going to die on the cross for our sins, raised from the We're right before this moment. He has an opportunity to serve his disciples. And this is what he does. It says, so he got up from the mill, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. 
No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my, and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. Now, I'm going to stop right there. I love Peter because Jesus gets down on his knees and he's about to wash Peter's feet. And Peter, he's he knows this is Jesus. This is the son of God. He's like, bro, you're not about to wash my feet, are you? You don't need to be on your knees doing this. You're you're our leader. You're the son of God. You're a king. Well, what are you doing? No, 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 you're not. Wa- and Jesus says, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. If you don't let me wash your feet, you have nothing to do with me. Okay, well, if that's the case, wash my hands, my head as well, everything, right? Because Peter's like, I, I am a part of you. I want you to, right? I just thought that was so funny. And then, of course, he points out the fact that all of them are clean. They're serving God, right? They're serving him, except for that one. Judas, right? And you're like, ooh, yikes. Poor Judas. He just don't even know, right? But it says, for he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said, not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and he returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Jesus asked them after washing the feet, he says, do you know what I just did? Well, to all of them, they're thinking, okay, yeah, you washed our feet. Okay, what are you getting at here? But I love it because he says, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so. I, I am your teacher. I am your Lord. I am your master, right? That is true. But do you notice, and I'm, I'm just paraphrasing here. He hasn't said this. This isn't biblical. I'm just saying this. This is what he's getting at. I'm your leader. I'm your master, but yet I'm serving you. Why? Because as a leader, as someone who is an effective leader, we must first know how to, what? Serve. If you want to be an effective leader, if you want to be respected, you must serve those who are following you. That is being an effective leader. You can hear five points this, five points that, but Jesus is showing you the most important aspect of being a great leader is to serve those who need to be served. It's to see a need and feel a need. Jesus gets down on his knees. He is the son of God. He is the Messiah. And yet he gets down on his knees and he washes his disciples' feet. He shouldn't be doing that. But yet he's showing you that to be an effective leader, to do something great for others, you must first serve them. And the thing is, is that he's showing the disciples this. If you want to be a leader like I am, you have to do the same. You have to serve. He says, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example, we highlight that, that you should do as I have done for you. You want to lead? You got to learn how to serve. I love that. God is, Jesus shows us that point blank, just easy. It's just a simple, simple message. You see, to live as Christ, we must demonstrate Christ through the way we serve others. One way to know that you're growing in your relationship with God is when in church, when church is no longer about just you, but how you can help other people. That's when I, okay, I've grown up in church my whole life, okay? I don't have all the answers. I don't know everything. I'm not God. But I've grown up in church my whole life. I have pastors as family, right? My parents are both pastors in the church, and I have watched them lead so many people throughout my lifetime. And I've been placed in a, in a point of leadership now for the last eight years at Face It Ministries. And I've learned so much, and I'm still learning. But one of the things that I've learned in my walk with Christ and, and watching 
teaching and, and learning from my parents is that when people grow in their relationship with Christ, it's the moment when church isn't about them anymore, but about other people. You see, so many times people will come in, and I've, I've listened to why people leave the church, and, and one of the common ones is, well, the pastor just wasn't preaching what I needed to hear. And he just wasn't speaking on what I needed to hear anymore, so I left. What? When I, when I hear that, I'm just like, wait, wait a minute. Time out. Why? Because he wasn't preaching what you needed to hear that week? That ain't why you leave church. That is not at all. The pastor doesn't sit there and go, well, Brian's going to come this week, so let me write a message for Brian real quick. I'm going to let you know, okay? I've grown up in ministry my whole life. As a pastor, I don't write my message specifically for one person. Let me see. Jason's coming this week. Let me write this for him. He's dealing with the No, bro, that's not it. If the message is speaking to you, it's God speaking to you, not that pastor. God speaks to you. And if the message isn't speaking to you, maybe it's not for you. Maybe it's for someone else, and you're there to hear it so that you can go Go out and share it with that said person. Am I making myself clear? I know I'm preaching. I know this is a podcast. I'm supposed to be sitting back, but this is so true and it's so applicable for today and this time. We're not all called to lead immediately. Some of you, you have leadership ability, but God's trying to speak to you right now that right now in the place and time that you're in, you're called to serve. And once you serve and you do what you're called to do in there, God will promote you. I will, I, I can assure you of that. He will promote you to a place of leadership. I'm going to go back to that lame movie called Robots. You see, Rodney Copperbottom was the poor nobody in the film, okay? He had a dream. He wanted to work for the big corporation and, and the whole deal, and he had a... Uh, you know, a gift to fix things. And he travels there, he sees and just, you know, kind of, kind of jump ahead. But he sees that everything that he thought was great really wasn't in the film. But he had a, he had a gift to fix things. And when he saw those needs, he filled them by fixing the other robots. And it was crazy because he was a nobody at one point. But the moment that he began to serve other people, he was promoted from being a nobody to a somebody. All of a sudden, everybody in town knew who Rodney Copperbottom was in the film because he was the guy fixing things, right? And he was serving. That was his intention, just to serve. And in doing so, by serving, he was promoted to the leader of all of the robots. And he ended up overcoming everything in the film. And I'm not trying to ruin it, not that it's really ruining a movie. It came out in 2005, and it's not the greatest. But this dude went from a nobody to a somebody, all because he, what, saw a need, and he filled it. He was a servant first, then he became a leader. That was a kid movie, y'all. Came out in 2005, about robots. But it had a really good lesson. If you want to be promoted to a place of leadership, you must first learn to serve. You have to serve first in order to be a leader. Jesus demonstrates it when he washes disciples' feet. I'm going to end on this last story for the last about five minutes. We're at the 11-minute mark right now. But it's found in Luke chapter 5, verse 17 through 26. Great story, y'all. I love this story. But it says this, One day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now I'm going to stop right there for just a second. We're going to go to verse 21 in just a moment. You see, 
these men, it doesn't say how many, right? But they, they were carrying their paralyzed friend. Back in the day, okay, in the biblical times, when you were sick or paralyzed or hurt or something, you were brought to the outskirts of town. That's what I've read in all the commentary and all the, you know, the studying of the Bible. If you were sick or had some kind of problem, you were brought to the outskirts of town. So these men pick up their friend who was paralyzed. He can't get to Jesus himself. He's also on the outskirts of town. They grab and pick him up. If you've ever picked up dead weight, it's so heavy. I always use it when I speak at Face It. Is It's picking up a baby, okay? They're not heavy, right? A baby's light. But you know when they do that little thing where they throw their arms up? When you go to pick them up and they throw their arms up and they just go limp? They instantly become so much heavier because they're just dead weight. They're not helping you at all. That's what I think of of picking up that paralyzed man. He's dead weight. The dude's heavy. They carry him into town. They get to where Jesus is preaching and the place is packed. And instead of going, oh, well, it's packed. We'll just take him back. Obviously, they're thinking, I'm not walking all the way back to the outskirts of town to drop my friend off again. No, we're going to find a way up there on that roof, right? So they get up on top of the roof. They knock a hole in that roof, which is so cool. And they lower this paralyzed guy down in front of Jesus. They don't care that they're interrupting Jesus and his message. They don't care what people think. They just want to get their friend to Jesus, right? They have faith that Jesus can save their friend, that he can heal their friend, right? So they drop that boy down in front of Jesus. And I love what Jesus says. He says, when Jesus saw their faith, not when Jesus saw the paralyzed man's faith, their faith, the friends, when he saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. And I love that Jesus forgave the man of his sins first, right? And then says, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Jesus cares about the heart. He always has. He saw the paralyzed man. He saw the condition he was in. Okay, the guy can't walk. He can't move his body, right? And instead of going to that, number one, he addresses the friends for having the faith, enough faith to knock a hole in a roof, to lower this dude down, interrupt his meeting, right? He says, man, because of y'all's faith, your friend's sins are forgiven. And he forgives the man of his sins. Why? Because he cares about the man's heart first. I want him to know God. I want him to have Christ in him. Your sins are forgiven, right? God cares more about the heart. He wants you in eternity. So he forgives him of his sins. And then he heals the man of his problem. He heals the physical need. These friends, they were bringing their buddy to be healed. They didn't even think about the heart issue. They were just wanting to be healed. You see, God can use you, the person listening right now. You can be used to win your friends. Just your faith alone, by getting them into church, God can use your faith to set someone free of their sin. You can invite your buddy 
right? Bring him to church and you're having faith that God's going to do something. And because of your faith, God can speak a message that penetrates that person's heart and sets them free of their sin. That's the most important thing. And then the other areas of life that they're struggling with, that'll all be dissipated and taken away because God's going to do something radical in their life. But it takes your faith and it takes your willingness to be available to be a servant of God. I'm closing with that. God calls us as Christians, as believers, to serve. If you want to be an effective leader, you have to first start with being a servant. The church doesn't need a bunch of people who think they're leaders. It needs a bunch of people who know they're servants. And by knowing you're a servant, you're going to see needs and you're going to fill those needs. And as long as you're seeing a need and filling a need, God will eventually take you from that place of servanthood and he will promote you to a place of leadership. But that doesn't mean that you won't serve anymore. It just means that God's going to promote you into another place to serve again. That is so important. We're called to see a need and fill a need because those friends saw a need in their friend's life. They brought him. He had a physical ailment, a physical problem. They brought him, knocked a hole in the roof, lowered him down in front of Jesus. And Jesus said, because of their faith, their friend is now set free from sin. And now on top of it, he's been healed. But because of the friend's faith, They made themselves available, and because they made themselves available, God was able to do something remarkable in their friend's life. The same can apply to you. So I encourage you and I challenge you to see a need and fill that need. It's time to step up, rise up, and be the servant that God has called you to be so that one day God can promote you into a place of leadership. Can I get a yeah? Can I get a uh uh-huh? And can I get one like, yeah? Now, if you didn't do that, I'm, I'm a little bit upset, okay? But anyway, I'm so excited that you took time to listen to what I had to say. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I'll see you next week on the Reality Check Podcast. I'll see you then.